Well, I entitled this The Great Dilemma because it is true that only God alone can forgive sins and only God alone can cleanse a person's heart. And this is the great problem of mankind and the great need for each one of us. We all know what it is to be defiled, to be, have our thoughts not as, as they should be, have action, actions as they shouldn't be. And we all desire to be clean, to be right just with one another, but more than that, be right with God. And Luke has put these two events together, one that happened on a certain day and one that happened in a certain city. I believe that was Capernaum and Peter's house. Uh, and these two events are not just so we can know some great miracle of Jesus, so that we might have the same dilemma, that we might say, who is this man? He's a son of man. He's a son of God. He has power. He has authority. Now, it's true to say that the Jewish people did not know the time of their visitation. Yes, they knew a king would come. It was written. They knew that a woman would conceive and bear a son. And Luke has shown that to us. And Jesus has declared himself to be about his father's business. God is my father. And God has said, this is my beloved son. And yet they did not believe the testimony. In fact, John says he came to his own, and his own received him not. But then he adds, but to as many, and that's the good news, to as many as believe, to as many that trust and rely on his power to save, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. He demonstrated his power. We saw that when he caused a demonic, man, a demon that had filled a man's life and brought him into the temple and was causing havoc and he silenced him. We saw it when he just stood over Peter's mother-in-law and commanded the fever to leave and like an invading army, it just left a body. We saw his power. And they saw his power. This was happening day upon day. They had seen his mighty works. They were flocking to hear him. They were, they were wondering at him. And then last week we heard how he called Peter to go and catch men. But Peter came to this same conclusion. Who is he? And in his presence he fell down and said, depart from me. He realized something of the presence of God amongst him, and he says, depart from me. I'm not even worthy to fish with you. Oh, I'm a sinful man. That's what I am. That's my estimation of myself before you. I am a sinful man in need of a saviour. And the Lord says, Peter, you're going to catch men for me. You're the type of person who will proclaim my word, not demons, they can't proclaim it but people were born of the Spirit of God. And people enjoyed the sermons. They enjoyed the lessons. They enjoyed the demonstrations of his power and his authority. But they didn't like it when he stood up and he spoke in the synagogue and he says, this day these scriptures are fulfilled. And when he said those in his own city of Galilee, didn't he? He said, 
You know, God went to the Gentiles. You know, he, 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 he went and, and did miracles, and yet for you, none were done. In the days of Elijah the widow woman, yes, they knew about these events, and they knew of the silence of God, and yet they were full of rage. In fact, we saw how at one point they went to cast him down a down the hill, they really wanted to get rid of him. They were full of violence towards him. This man who had done nothing wrong. This man who had always done that which was right. People flocked to him. But there was this dilemma. And Luke brings out these two healings. And both physical, but one spiritual, the forgiveness of sins. To show us, to to put us in this position where we cannot treat him as anybody else but the Son of God, the Son of Man on earth with power and authority to forgive sins. And like in verse 21, when they were full of rage, and they says, who can forgive sins but God alone? You have to come to that conclusion. You can't believe like the Muslims believe, like he's just a prophet. You have to come to this conclusion. He's either God in the flesh or he is a liar. He is a deceiver. He is one not to be worth listening to. He didn't do the things he said he would do. Or he is a son of God. And we trust in him as the son of God. The one with power to save. So Luke brings us to the narrative. and He says, in a certain city, Behold, he wants you to look clearly, this man full of leprosy. It was a pitiful sight, full of leprosy. Everything about him made him unclean. You couldn't hold his hand. You had to stand six feet away. If he, if he came and breathed into your house, you'd have to condemn it. It was a terrible disease. There was nothing in the law to, 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 to make this man right. Yes, they could find a person who had been cleansed and they could pronounce him as clean and able to enter society again and able to enter worship. But when we read our Bibles, where do we find lepers clean? Naaman the Syrian, a power of God. Miriam who spoke out against Moses and was struck with leprosy and it was God again who removed that leprosy. It is the power of God. And so here was a miracle that Luke is bringing to us. Only God can do. Only God has the power to deal with this leprosy that is, is dominating this man's life. It has moved him out from his family. It has moved him out from fellowship. It has moved him away from worship. And it was seen that how could even God get to him? How could God meet his need? He's ostracized. Yes, you know what I mean. He's, he's cast out and he's unable to enter normal life. And that reminds us so much of sin. It fills us. I think if we look at Putin, we can say, yes, he's a man full of sin. We can see it clearly and we can see it displayed in all its monstrous uh, uh, war against God, war against man. No respect, no love, no compassion full of lies, we can see man. But you see, the religious people needed to see that they also were full of leprosy, of sin. 
They needed to know that they weren't right. The Jewish people and the leaders felt that they had received the law. They had received the ways for cleansing. They could go and offer their sacrifices. They could go into the temple and they could pay for the sins. And they somehow felt accepted and righteous. They had done what God had said. And so why should these doctors and lawyers and Pharisees and that feel that they need Jesus to forgive them? They can go and offer their offerings. They can go and do what they believe is right. And so they would go about establishing their own righteousness, feeling good enough when the very law that they looked into condemned them. The very law that they, they were given, they did not keep. It made them transgressors. In fact, Paul would later say, say to his own, the law is a schoolmaster to bring you to Christ. That's where you've got to come. You've got to come to Christ. Here he is. The day of visitation, he's manifested himself. He's amongst you, and you've missed him. He's shown his power, and you will not ascribe it to God. How many people are there in this world? The heavens declare his handiwork, and yet they're too, body, body, too busy trying to prove and how it all came about by their evolution and their theories and that. Instead of submitting to the wisdom of God, which is above all of us, and so it is, this man, like we, are in a desperate need. And so seeing Jesus, he fell on his face. If you were him, if you were out there outside the city wall, if you had seen crowds flocking and bringing their uh, sick and diseased people and they were coming back walking, and wouldn't you want to go? Wouldn't you be amazed at what Jesus can do? You know, families have been changed. People have been transformed. Alcoholics have been cleansed. Uh, you know, uh, parents have been giving their mums and dads back. Children have, sorry. You know, God's power is able to change people. And he wanted to see Jesus. And he didn't just want to see him, but he wanted to worship him. He fell down on his face. And he submitted himself to all that Jesus was going to say. Jesus could have said, no. No, you're unclean. Don't come near me. No, don't you know who I am? Not so with Jesus. He's the one that comes with outside the camp. He's the one that comes to the sinner. He's the one that comes to the defiled, to, to the person that has got problems, the weak, the lowly, the, the one that mourn over their sin. And he comes to them and says, I'm listening. I've got all ears for you. And so he besought him. That is what Tuesday nights is about, praying, asking God for the lost, for the needy, for his power to be displayed, that dynamite of God, as we heard this morning. We need his power. This leper saw hope in a hopeless situation. And he saw it in the Christ whom others had set at naught. And this has always been the case. And he says, Lord, if you will, it's up to you. You can. You can do it. That is a declaration of faith. That is certainty in what God can do. If you will, you can make me clean. This man was a believer. You know, the demon... Entered that person and went into the temple. 
And he got in. And he was there. This leper, he couldn't do that. He was outside. The contrast is he was a, a believer outside with leprosy. And, and, you know, it was a terrible thing. But the contrast is there, isn't it? He was full of faith, but yet full of that which separated him from fellowship and the people of God. And he wanted that. He wanted to go to the temple. He wanted to worship. He wanted to be able to uh, get the birds and have them sprinkled and one set free to prove that he had, uh, you can read about it in Leviticus, how a leper is declared, declared clean and and he wanted for a testimony for the people to know that he was okay to live with. Even if he had to stay outside for seven days and wait and wash and do all the things that he had to do. He just wanted to go back and be with God's people. What keeps us away from God's people? This man would do anything. Anything to be in the midst of God's people. And we see something wonderful here, the outstretched hand of God, of Jesus. And he touched him. And this reminds me that God has come down and walked amongst us. And he has touched our lives. And he touches this man's life. And he tells you, I mean, first it's an act of compassion and nobody else would do it. And other people would be defiled, but not Jesus. But he shows us his heart. I will. I will be thou clean. And God can say that to you tonight. I will. It's God's will for you to be clean in his sight. Has he, had he felt love like this? It must have been year after year he felt left out in the cold, people walking across the other side of the street, throwing him scraps to eat, being treated no worse than an animal. In fact, if you had leprosy, you were considered dead, and you were as good as dead, as far as the world was concerned, but not with God. God loves to work the impossible. Remember, with God, all things are possible. Not with man, but with God. And so, he says, I will. Be thou clean. These are also the words of God. And we've seen that time and time again. At your word, we'll go out and fish. At his command, the, the fever left. You know, when he said to the demon possessed, be quiet. And he was. We, we see this time and time again. God's power to, for his word, not just be words like mine, but to have power to act. And we see that immediately, without delay, the leprosy left him. And then he says, I charge you, tell no man, go show yourself to the priest, keep the law, offer cleansing as Moses has commanded. And he says these words, for a testimony to them. When he went to the priest... He would say, I know you. How are you? Who's made you clean? Like the blind man. Remember the blind man? They said, who made you? How come you can see? Give glory to God. And he says, I don't know whether you call Jesus a sinner or not. But I know one thing is, once I was blind and now I see, give glory to Jesus, he would say. 
And so the leper would stand before the priest and he would say, it was Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. He made me clean. And he would do the cleansing and the offering and let the bird go. And he would enter society again. And it was a testimony. We haven't seen this. We've heard about Naaman, but we haven't seen this in Capernaum. We haven't seen this around Galilee. We have never seen a leper cleansed. And yet, the law which had no power to cleanse him had no power to condemn him anymore. And that's what it is for Christians. The same law that is over us because God has cleansed us. The law that is against us, that condemns us, has lost his power. And we are cleansed. What an amazing transaction God has done. And so his fame went out. Great multitudes gathered. They wanted to hear him. All their infirmities. Heal us, heal us. And he withdrew and went into the wilderness to pray. Jesus always did the will of his father. He always heard his father's voice. He was in such communion with him that, like Adam in the garden, but so much more intimate. His strength came from his reliance upon his father. He says, it's the father that doeth the works, not me. He ascribed the power that he had to his father. He says, believe me for my very work's sake. And so Luke brings us to this other example. On a certain day. Was in a certain city, now it's a certain day. And he's teaching again, and people are listening. And we see that Pharisees and doctors and, the, and, and those of the law are sitting by. They come out of all the towns of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal. They are seeing the demonstration of God in their midst again. It's undeniable. They can't hide it. It's not done in a quiet place. It's spread abroad. And we see this second miracle. A man, and we're told to behold again, a man brought in a bed, like a pallet or a bread, bed, and he is paralyzed. He, he cannot walk. And they were seeking, how can we get to Jesus? The crowd is in front of us, the multitude around the house, and we can't get in. I wonder what he felt like when his friends said to him, we're going to carry you. We're going to take you to Jesus. Have you heard what he's doing? <laughs> Can you imagine the anticipation of this man? You know, his friends are dragging, dragging him through up, up and carrying him, and he, he's thinking, am I really going to be made well? They, they got faith. They, they trusting him, and they really believe that their friend could be healed. And made well. And so they lifted him up and they carried him. And just like Zacchaeus trying to get over the crowd to see Jesus, they made every attempt to get past all the obstacles. A bit like the woman in the crowd who stretched through so that she might touch Jesus and be healed. There was urgency there. There was a deliberate wanting to find Jesus. Have you got that? 
Have you got that same urgency and desire, that same need that presses you on? Well, they did. And they climbed the roof and they opened it up, we've told. It was probably a, a rich person's house because it had tiles on. And they have found houses with tiles on of that period. And they let him down. They let him down before Jesus. They couldn't find a way in because of the multitude, so they let him down. And we are told that while this man was before Jesus, we're told that Jesus says, when he saw their faith, he saw their faith. Can God see that with you? Can he see your reliance on him? Your trust in him? Have you still got a dilemma with him? Or have you come to the conclusion that he must be the son of God with power to forgive sins and to cleanse and to heal? Well, they had no doubt. They brought the friend. They let him down. And, and, and Jesus saw their faith. It wasn't hid. He could see beyond their actions what they wanted. And he said to the man, your sins... Are forgiving you. And as we, as we know, this enraged all those present who were unbelievers. And the unbelievers were the lawyers, the doctors, the Pharisees. Isn't it funny that those with the most knowledge can be the most blind? Yes, there are, there are doctors and lawyers and people who are saved. There are scientists who are saved. But it's very hard, like it's hard for a rich man to enter the, the kingdom of God. It's very hard for people to get past their learning and trust in the wisdom of God. And that's the place we need to be. So right there in that place, he says, your sins are forgiven you. Their conclusion was this. Not how wonderful. God is in our midst. He has authority. He has power. It says he speaks blasphemy. This is the man we're looking at. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He, later on, they would say he, he, he speaks. From, he, he, his power is from the devil. He's, he, he's Beelzebub doing this. He, he, they would say lots of things, but they would not admit who he was. There's so many people in the world like that today. They will not. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And yet there are those who will not bow the knee. There are those with all the evidence of the scriptures, with all the prophecies which have been fulfilled, cannot trust God for their future and cannot rest on the finished work of Christ. And so, Jesus says, when he saw their faith, and when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, remember he saw their faith. Now he perceives their thoughts. This shows us the omniscience of God to know the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And he answered them and said, what reason you in your hearts? In other words, it was like he's peering into their hearts as if it's open surgery, so to speak. 
And you say, oh, I can see what's in there. And I can see what you're thinking. So, is it easy to say your sins are forgiven? Well, of course. How can you prove it? How can you disprove it? He's just said, your sins are forgiven you. I'm sure that man was full of life then. I'm sure his burden was rolled away. The faith of his friends friends had brought him, and now his sins were forgiven. And he was glorifying God in his heart. He couldn't walk yet. But they were reasoning that this man, this great dilemma, we cannot say he is God. We cannot say he is a son of man. We cannot say he has power to forgive. We do that in the temple. We do that by the offerings and the sacrifices. We have a righteousness which God gave us and not this man Jesus. So he perceived the thoughts. And he answered and said, What reason you in your heart? What is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or say, Rise up and walk? That was something that could clearly be seen. That would show that his words has power. That if you believe the one, you've got to believe the other. You can't take the one without the other. He says to him, rise up and walk. And so that you might know that the Son of Man had power on earth to forgive sins. And so he did. He rose up and walked. I'm sure he was the happiest person in that room. I'm sure he was filled with joy as the life flooded into his legs. As he didn't learn to walk, Jesus says, walk. He didn't stumble. It weren't like he was a baby trying to walk. He got up and walked and he went home. And what was this for? For a testimony. For a testimony that the Son of Man had power on earth to forgive sins. Why was the leper cleansed? For a testimony that the Son of Man had power on earth to cleanse us. Cleansing and healing and forgiveness. But it comes with acknowledgement of sin. And that's where we were last week. Peter, behold, I'm a sinful man. Unless we come to that point, we will never see our need. Unless we come to that point, we will never call out to God for mercy and for his grace and for his forgiveness. And he does have power to forgive us our sins. To make us fit for his heaven. So immediately he rose up, took up where on he lay. Departed to his own house, glorifying God. No wonder. And they were amazed. Why not? You don't see it every day, do you? You don't see lepers cleansed. You don't see people walking and were lame. And they glorified God. They gave glory to God. Is that the end of the dilemma for you? Are you glorifying God? And we see they were filled with fear. Well, that, that's what happens when we come into the presence of God. We fall at his feet like the leper. We fall in our unworthiness. And the wonderful thing is that this great and powerful God stretches down and touches us. And he touches our earthing all our uncleanness. And he says, I will. I will save you. I will make you mine. I will forgive you of your sins. I will cleanse you of your sin of leprosy. And so others said, we have seen strange things this day. I think you'd have to say something. You couldn't be speechless, could you? <laughs> it was amazing what God had done. Tonight we stand before the Son of God who loved us, who died for us, who come that we might have life 
in him through his power, through his power to forgive and to save. But we must cry. We must see our need. We must come to him. Luke has brought these certain events, a certain city on a certain day, two people, not just to show us, oh, look how great Jesus is, what he can do. There were many people that followed Jesus. You, you, you follow me because I fed you. I gave you bread from heaven. He wanted people to believe who he is, to trust in him. And that's what I'm asking you to do tonight. And I pray in God's strength, you will. Amen. You alone can rescue. You alone can save. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word, which is what makes us wise unto salvation. We would never know how lost we were, and we would never know how much you loved us 
unless you came down. And only you can save. To you belong the forgiveness of sins, the cleansing of of our hearts. And Lord, you have declared that if we come to you, you give us a righteousness which is not of the law. For the law of God is fulfilled in us because of what Christ has done. And one day all that defiles us will be washed away. And we will enter your glory, changed in a moment. And we will know that to you belongs the highest praise. Heavenly Father, accept our thanks for your great work of salvation, your great power. We honour you and we thank you in the name of our Saviour. Amen.